Welcome back to In the Queue Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. I'm your co-host, Phil, and today's movie had one of my favorite trailers of the year so far. Oh, interesting that you only mentioned the trailer. Uh-huh. But not the film. Well, you get my meaning, maybe? I think I might, but I guess I'm going to uh, find out pretty soon. Um, I'm Andrew, your other co-host, and uh, I'm I'm glad that Shane Black is sort of the uh, buddy buddy movie master, the the guy who writes buddy movies. Although he also wrote Iron Man three, which and directed it as well. Yep, which was not really a buddy movie, but was one of the better superhero movies in the last few years. Hmm. Well, I thought I I haven't seen one Iron Man film to date, except if you count the Avengers. I was going to say <laughs> we did that one. We did Age of Ultron for this show. Uh, the movie that we're talking about today is The Nice Guys, written mm-hmm. and directed by Shane Black, uh, co-written by Shane Black and somebody by the name of Anthony Bagarazzi. Mm-hmm. Um, the film stars. Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe, and it had a lot of hype leading into its release because of some very popular trailers that were on YouTube. Yes. Uh, we're going to talk about that and everything else having to do with the nice guys in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you guys out there where you can find us on the web. You can go to our blog, which is found at www.in-the-q, that's the letter q.com. And on our blog, you'll find all of our episodes. You'll find summaries that we write for every film. We also have a Facebook page. Just search Facebook for In The Queue. That's Q-U-E-U-E. And on our Facebook page, you can also find our episodes. You can find supplemental videos and other things that we post that happen to sort of uh, add to the discussion that we're having for that particular film. And also, Mm -hmm. as is the nature of Facebook, you can leave us comments. And you can leave us listener requests for movies that you would like us to review and we would be more than happy to take your request and invite you onto the show with us to talk about that particular film certainly uh yeah and also we have a twitter account it is at itq podcast follow us we'll follow you back and then lastly we have an itunes account just search itunes for in the queue q u e u e parenthetically entitled film conversations with andrew and phil and you can mm-hmm. listen to all of our shows dating back to the very beginning. And we release new shows about two episodes a week, pretty steadily. And they all end up on iTunes. They do. So the movie, The Nice Guys, one of the most hotly anticipated films of the summer. Ooh, you keep talking about all this anticipation, but yeah. uh, I wonder how you're going to feel about the film itself. Well, I, I, I think you may have already tipped your hand. I already think I've communicated how much I was anticipating this film. It takes place mm-hmm. in 1977 in Los Angeles. Um, it, it's an unlikely friendship kind of movie, or a buddy cop movie, if you will, although the mm-hmm. two guys aren't cops, but they are basically united. It's early on in the film. Um, what one of them is a PI, so a PI, a PI, and the other is just kind of like a, uh, intimidator by profession <laughs> enforcer. Yeah. Um, basically, um, Ryan Gosling is, is March. Who's the PI Holland March. And he was hired to track down a, a missing girl named Amelia. 
Um, but then uh, Russell Crowe's character, Jackson Healy, gets sent over to March's place of residence to persuade him to stop searching for Amelia. Uh, mm-hmm. He ends up severely injuring March, and uh, that's how they first meet. But through a series of intricate events, they end up working together to try and find Amelia, the missing girl, but also track down the uh, origins of a a suspicious suicide attempt by a famous L.A. porn star. Mm -hmm. um, Who It seems like there may be foul play going on. And uh, the film is, is intricately plotted. It's, it's very, it is very complicated in terms of, uh, the screenwriters really do try to explain everyone's motivation for doing what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some ways, because of that, and also because of the period setting, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Inherent Vice. A little bit. A little yeah, bit. Sure. Although this one is much more, I guess I would say, engaging, a little bit more uh, graphic in terms of its sex language and violence. Sure. Uh, Inherent Vice was a very talky film, but I have to say I preferred Inherent Vice of the two. Oh, big surprise. If I had to make a judgment call between them. Um, okay. Yeah, I was. I feel like the best parts of this movie were revealed long ago in the trailers for the nice guys. Uh, uh, I disagree. I feel like there were there were a series of really solid trailers. The humor itself in the film was often, I thought, kind of strained. Like, there's one example of, of clearly, Ryan Gosling was supposed to do some kind of screwball routine where he discovers a, a dead body um, at the foot of this hill that he tumbles down. And, like, mm-hmm. he has nobody to react to, but he tries to do, like, this, like, or, like, some kind of, like, very kind of old he's he's doing an out of breath thing he's like (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) right and i just i just thought like examples of that i thought were kind of strained um another thing that i thought was a little bit weird to me was how like the kids in this film are kind of treated with like a similar power dynamic as the adults like they're almost treated as like collaborators with march and healy and it's like Kind of like the way like Wes Anderson would would treat his l- little kid characters in his films as right. like mm-hmm. as peers with their adult characters, but um, it just it was kind of an odd sort of choice to make March's daughter one of the key players in solving the mystery. I kind of thought that it was weird that he would even allow that to happen. Uh, well, I don't find it weird. I mean, it's in keeping with his character. His character is a very sort of you know, he's a guy who's drinking himself into a stupor, single dad who's renting this sort of wonderful uh, mansion before it's taken away from him, and they have to live, you know, mm-hmm. in in a, a less awesome place. He's trying to rebuild the home that uh, was destroyed, that they all made uh-huh. uh, as a home together, that he was responsible for burning down. He's trying to atone for his sins. So, but all of these things, I think that there's a very rich, complicated character that uh, I think it's natural that his daughter would end up sort of coming on the whole thing. And to his credit, he tries to get her not to, but it's only after she's sort of swept up in the whole thing that he kind of 
agrees to it. Mm-hmm. Well, tell me what you felt about the film overall then. Uh, sure. I liked it. I liked it very much. Uh, I don't think it's quite the level of a movie like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which was mm-hmm. Shane Black's kind of return to these types of films. He had done all the Lethal Weapon films back in the day and movies like The Last Boy Scout, I think he wrote. Right, he wrote but um, not directed those films. Am I right? Correct, yeah. correct. He didn't He didn't direct. I think, I don't know what his first directing credit would be, but I think it may have been Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I'm looking it up right now. Um, yeah, please do. But either way, I think that he does these films very well. I think he's sort of a master of snappy dialogue, and I think that this film is filled with that stuff. I think that most of the stuff that I was laughing hysterically at did not make it into the trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw this with a good friend of mine, and we were quoting all day following watching this film. We were texting each other quotes from this film that we just were dying laughing at in the theater. And it did, weren't in the trailer at all. Interesting. Um, and I thought that it was, I think that Gosling is fantastic in his role as this kind of bumbling idiot private eye who's also kind of good at his job. Mm-hmm. And I thought that Russell Crowe was great, as always, um, as the kind of heavy. <laughs> uh, reminded me a little bit of L.A. Confidential. Right, uh, right, right. Back in the day with a little bit, a little bit less menace <laughs> to his character. <laughs> Um, that's a good. But, that's a good sort of indication as to why he was cast in this movie too. I think is sure, his connection sure. to to films about Los Angeles. Sure, and I think um, what you described earlier. You said that this was a very intricate plot. It was very intricately plotted, and there's a lot to it. One of the things that I actually admire about this screenplay and the direction of the film is that I was never lost. In that intricate plotting, I never felt like I didn't understand what was going on. I never felt like I didn't know who a character was. Mm-hmm. Everything was very clear. And I think that that's the result of good, concise, pointed screenwriting, which mm-hmm. I think Shane Black does really well. I think for this brand of kind of Hollywood buddy cop kind of movie, uh-huh. I think he's I think he's just one of the best at, at doing this. I think it's great. Um, just... For future reference, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was Shane Black's first directorial credit. That's what I thought. Um, but yeah, he did make some some notable screenplays. He became a really hot screenwriter in the in the eighties, eighties uh, and nineties. Yeah, yeah. For, for mostly for Lethal Weapon. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, this is one of those movies where I I almost felt like I needed to see it again just to really be certain about my reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I were to see it again, it might color my perspective. But well, there—I mean, there are moments like that—that that which you describe, which kind of fall flat. I mean, there are definitely a few moments in the film, and I think it may have more to do with direction than it has to do with screenwriting. Uh-huh. But I think there are moments in the film that do kind of fall, kind of on their face. And I—I I think that there are certainly some bits that could be really, really genuinely funny and end up being just kind of so-so mm-hmm. um, because of the way that it's directed or the fact that it cuts at a really strange time or um, or just ends the scene suddenly. There were at least probably two or three times in this film when the scene just suddenly ended, and I was like, well, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> one thing, though, that I did enjoy is I really did feel like I was transported to that time and place, um, especially yeah. the there were some house party scenes 
that I thought were really a delight to watch um, because the the fashions sure. of the time, the architecture and the the outfits and and the music was all so vivid and so intense. It actually reminded me of a comment that you made, Andrew, about High Rise, where you said mm-hmm. you had said that you like it when a film transports you into the period without being too aggressive about it. And sure. uh, and I feel like uh, the nice guys, even down to the font of the title on the poster, I think it's one of the most kind of thorough period pieces since Inherent Vice, for example, probably mm-hmm. even more so than Inherent Vice was. Um, it's really kind of affectionate about all the trappings of 1977. And um, it was, yeah, it was, it was, really like a fully realized world which I appreciated and and that I think starts with the screenplay um, I guess I just kind of felt like I was expecting something more I, I didn't get what I expected um, and there were certain things that I kind of latched I've onto. warned you about that Philip Brubaker oh, I warned you about that Dad, I'm sorry dad <laughs> uh, but yeah it's just I might I might see it again, but overall, I just kind of thought that it, the the chemistry between the two and and the way that their relationship formed uh, seemed mm-hmm. more because they were in a buddy cop movie and less because of anything that would organically develop between people like this. If that makes any okay. sense. Okay. Sure. Because um, you know, sure. They, their relationship it's the way it starts out is very contentious. And, and I think that's supposed to yeah. be part of the charm, the way it gets reversed. But um, but the way they talk to each other, especially the way that Ryan Gosling talked to Russell Crowe, it just seemed like he was straining a little bit too hard to be a buddy cop movie. I, I can see what you're saying. I can understand that mm-hmm. perspective on it. But I, you know, I feel like there are certain tropes that go along with a movie like this and i you know it didn't bother me for instance that their meet cute so to speak was one that was sort of born in aggression and (laughs) the breaking of somebody's arm which is also fully revealed in the trailers yeah i mean i think that both of these guys are uh you know they're salty private eye types you know they're they're cynical cynical los angeles types yeah cynical los angeles 70s pis Mm. (laughs) you know and and i think that they the fact that they behave accordingly and they are sassy and they do talk back and they do sort of insult one another you know ad infinitum i think that that's part of the charm of it and you know i mean you think about you think about the Lethal Weapon movies. Have you seen the Lethal Weapon movies? Um, it's been a long time. Oh, they're so great. I saw, Le- so great. I saw Lethal Weapon 4 in the theater. I remember oh, that. Nice. Yeah, but I, I, it's been a long time since I saw the first one, and I've only seen a little bit of the second one. Uh, yeah, they're all great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that they, you know... They kind of they they kind of wrote a lot of the rules for this kind of movie, mm-hmm. um, and I think that uh, I'm not saying that a, a film should necessarily abide by the rules of its genre. But when you're 
when you're being written and directed by the guy who basically established the rules of the genre in the first place, right? Uh, you know, you can expect certain things. And I was not disappointed in those things that he brought to the table. You know, uh-huh. um, I loved their banter. I loved their back and forth. I thought both of their performances were excellent. Well, tell me that. Tell me what do you, what did you think of some of the performances in this film? Uh, I thought they were pretty solid. Um, Nothing extraordinary. You didn't think Gosling was just like on fire. I thought he was a comedic revelation. Oh wow, um, that's a great term. Um, I I thought he was I thought he was good. I it was a, it was a comedic role without a doubt. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's for a movie like this. I don't see it for the performances. I thought all the performances were all were good and fine. Sure. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I thought they were, yeah, they were okay. I mean, I think, I think they were having a good time, which is important if you're going to make yeah, I think a, that's pretty clear. a buddy cop yeah. movie, you know, you gotta, they have to be having a good time. Um, but yeah, I was just, I was looking up Shane Black's oeuvre and, and mm-hmm. the, specifically the Lethal Weapon movies. And, um, I just noticed here that Shane Black actually wrote the monster squad yeah with, with, yeah with a guy named fred decker uh that's pretty mind-blowing yeah a little bit Th- that yeah. was the director of fred decker yes uh, fred yeah. fred decker was the director are you a big fan of the monster squad um once again it's been a long time uh, <laughs> i don't know if i've even seen the whole film um well do you remember do you remember seeing um uh... Last Action Hero when we were at the School of the Arts. Yeah, I remember that movie. He wrote that. Yeah, he did. That was a fun that's, movie. That's a pretty brilliant like takedown. It's like a deconstruction of the action genre that is a lot funnier than I think people give it credit for. Actually, that movie came up in a message board post on IMDb because of the upcoming movie Swiss Army Man, which mm-hmm. I would love to review on the show when it comes out. But um, in Swiss Army Man, Daniel Radcliffe plays a dead corpse that has like a gas problem, and it's it's constantly mm-hmm. farting. And, and uh, they called it the farting corpse movie when it played at Sundance, I think. Yeah, and and somebody in the message boards of the always brilliant, always enlightening IMDb <laughs> message boards, somebody posted top ten farting corpse corpse movies. Go. And somebody posted <laughs> Last Action Hero. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> which I think is spot on. Yep. yep. But, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, if I were to see Last Action Hero now as my super uh, overeducated 36-year-old self, um, I might not appreciate <laughs> it as much as when I was 14. You might appreciate it more. Maybe. Maybe. Well, if somebody wants to, to request that we do Last Action Hero, we will honor your request. <laughs> And we'll do it on the show. We certainly will. Um, yeah. I. Well, I think, you know, I mean, there's very few um, screenwriters out there. <clears throat> Not to speak of, of Black's directing skills, because I think those are, those are perfectly fine. I mean, I think he's a competent uh, Hollywood director. But his screenwriting skills are really what, uh, what make him him, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that those screenwriting skills are on display in this movie very well. I mean, I think it just pops. I think that the the dialogue just sort of crackles. It's really 
Um, it's really engaging. It's really fun to listen to. They're sort of give and take. I will say that I don't think that this actually quite achieves the level of something like Lethal Weapon or um, or even Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which I thought was an extraordinary film. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> but I think that it, it, it still has that Shane Black touch that I, I can't really think of many other directors who have this particular kind of sort of self-assured uh, sort of back and forth yeah. between his characters. Uh, there is something a little bit a little bit of a throwback with the characters in this film. A little bit old-fashioned, not in like a outdated way, not or like in a naive or innocent way, but old mm-hmm. old-fashioned in the sense that uh, not so politically correct as we're so used to seeing in a lot of movies. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's a little more there's a little more violence a little bit more cruelty to everything that happens in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not it's not sanitized for you know mass audiences. Sure, sure. Um, and that is kind of interesting, I would say. Um, like, but that <laughs> does not a movie make. Here, here comes the butt. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, the uh, the gentlemanly thing to say when you're on the fence about a film is to say, well, maybe I should watch it again. So maybe I should watch <laughs> it again. But uh, I just know. Maybe I mean I, I have a feeling that you would feel the same way about <laughs> it if you if you saw it again. Um, and I know that you're not going to rush out to see it again. Um, yeah, I don't know. It. it going through his entire filmography the only one that you can really even recall is last action hero i mean maybe shane black just doesn't hit with you well maybe not but i was looking at lethal weapon while we were talking and it's got a good rating it has the same rating as kiss kiss bang bang on imdb mm-hmm. and um mm-hmm. I, i'm a fan of you know i liked 48 hours um which i feel sure. like maybe was 48 Hours was probably the grandfather of these type of movies. It was actually five five years before Lethal Weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I might I might give that one another look. But yeah, Shane Black, um, he's no Stanley Kubrick, basically. So uh, it's the <laughs> oh, best man. as I can put it. Hey, oh, yo. That's a, that's a brutal comparison for anybody. For anybody, yeah. Especially for Shane Black. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that he, I think Shane Black definitely knows how to concoct a screenplay. He knows how to craft a screenplay. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I feel like all the the right notes were there in terms of inciting incident, rising action, falling action. Um, I feel like I'm being a total. You, you forgot right the climax. <laughs> the climax, yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I just kind of. I was let down. I was let down by the nice guys. I had really I high hopes. I get you. And I felt like the best things about the film were things that I had already gleaned from watching the trailer multiple times. Fair enough. Fair enough. I liked it a great deal more than Phil did. Uh, I thought it was fun. I thought it was engaging. It's a great kind of uh, inconsequential summer movie um, mm-hmm. that you can go to and have fun. And it's not going to, you know, it's, it, as Phil just said, it's no Kubrick movie. <laughs> but. But it is, uh, it's, it's really, uh, solid Hollywood filmmaking. 
uh, and it's fun in the way that a good Hollywood flick should be. Um, so I recommend you go out and see it. Uh, but uh, yeah, is it going to make my top ten list of the year? Probably not. But yeah, it's it's a it's a fun flick. Well, and kudos to the to the filmmakers for bringing the movie to Cannes. I mean, it's not the typical yeah. film that you would show there, but uh, they showed it, and I think it was well received. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my ultimate dream come true is to have a movie at Cannes, and um, the fact that they were able to do it with this film, I mean, good on Shane Black and good on his collaborators because that's the best place to show a movie anywhere ever in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's our show about the nice guys brought to you by two other nice guys, <laughs> Andrew and <laughs> Phil. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's us. Um, stay tuned for our next episode, which is going to be a listener's choice. It's going to be the Oliver Stone film, Salvador, mm-hmm. a very um, interesting pick. I would say, why did he certainly? Why did he choose that one now of all times and places? I don't know. Well, either I way, guess we'll have to find out in that episode. Yeah. Well, when we record that episode, we'll figure it out then. Um, that was sure. actually brought to us by Travis, who is a listener who has never been on the show before. So stay tuned for that episode, and we'll see you later. 